When we talk about traditional mass media facing challenging times, the blame seems to always get laid on digital media. But could it be something else? We think the blame might be in the word mass. In this episode, we examine local and regional publishers who seem to have found the secret formula for consistent growth and high profitability. Welcome to the Local Marketing Trends Podcast, bringing you unique insights from two of the industry's brightest analysts and forecasters, Corey Elliott and Gordon Burrell. Today's podcast is sponsored by Basis Technologies, the industry's most trusted partner for building out in-house programmatic capabilities, and Spectrio, the leader in comprehensive digital signage solutions and on-site customer engagement technology. And now, here are your hosts, Corey and Gordon. Hello and welcome in, everybody. I'm one of your hosts, Corey Elliott, and with me, as always, Mr. Gordon Burrell. Hello, Corey. Hello, everyone. Hello, Gordon. How you doing? Doing great. The year's starting to wind down a bit, yeah. uh, but we still have lots of presentations. Wow, we seem to have done an awful lot of presentations, some in person, a lot in yep. person, and uh, and some virtual still. Um, but man, we've we've done a lot this year. Yeah, we have. We've been all over the country. Just got back from the Dells a little while ago up in Wisconsin. The like the farmer in the Dells, that Dells. Yeah, that that those kind of Dells. Uh, it's a lot of farm out, a lot of farmland up there. That, yeah, that is true. So, if you could summarize all the uh, the presentations you've made and what you've heard out on the road and reactions of people. What's it look like out there to you? What's What are they talking well, about? Yeah, there are two things that keep bubbling up. One of them has to do with the sophistication or the growing sophistication of marketing by local advertisers. And everybody seems to be recognizing it. Our own surveys and panels seem to show it. And that just local advertisers and local businesses are getting more and more sophisticated. I'm not saying they're sophisticated. I'm saying they're more sophisticated than they were five years ago in terms of marketing. And I think that is something that media companies and agencies have to recognize and deal with. I hear that a lot. I'm hearing that too. And the window for that, you know, the opportunity to serve advertisers might be closing because I think in about three or four years, they're going to say, you know, we really don't need anybody. We're going to handle a lot of this stuff, our owned media on our own. And then we'll deal with you for placement when we want to buy whatever it is that you're selling. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the the second part is the second thing that I've run into kind of goes hand in hand with this. And that's everybody and everybody, I mean, media companies and agencies recognizing, oh, man, we got to think about Gen Z. We got to think about Gen Z right now, because that's the crop of people who are coming into these positions in local markets with businesses and becoming their marketing experts because they've been marketing experts. So that's something that they understand that they have to understand now. Yeah, I think it was a real eye opener. Your presentation at a conference back in March and then what we heard from the folks at Orange Umbrella, the University of Miami, I think we had them on the show. And the influence that they have, you know, the, the first generation that really has grown up, you know, with marketing as part of their childhood, if you think of social yeah. media that way. Yeah, they've always, like I've said, they've always been content creators. Gen Y has been digital natives. Gen Z has been creating content since they were kids. It's just a natural thing for them to do. And so to for a local business owner who needs a marketing expert and is concerned about their social media presence, why wouldn't they turn to these people? Yeah, yeah. And the eagerness of those folks that we saw, at least at our conference, to join a radio station or a newspaper or a magazine or a TV station was remarkable. It's like, oh, well, they probably wouldn't want to 
you know, join an old type of media. But no, that that wasn't the case at all. They were very eager to join and and learn. I'll tell you from my presentations this mm-hmm. year, and I've had a lot of them. I think we dealt with Town Square, Midwest Family. It was a radio group, Golden West, which is a radio group. My presentation in Miami, the Missouri Broadcasters, the City and Regional Magazine Publishers Association. The big hit was this 2032 presentation that we've been doing, which is a real shocker. You know, okay, we really know how it's going to look 10 years from now. We have enough information to know this is where the world is headed, and right. it's it's inevitable. And I was surprised there wasn't much pushback and skepticism about it. There is, you know, a little pushback. But I think that the more interesting one occurred a couple of weeks ago in Chicago when I addressed the Alliance for Business Publishers. These are all the, the B2B magazines and, and newspapers in, yeah. in the country. And I gave them the presentation. They really liked it. They did. But the interesting thing was that they were telling us, me at the presentation, well, Prince's doing just fine. It's up. You know, Prince up last year, double digits, up this year, double digits. And, you know, I kept referring to them in my presentation as magazines. And that's what I thought they were, business magazines, right? You know, city and regional, you know, business magazines. One person came up to me after, said, why do you keep referring to this as magazines? We're newspapers. I'm thinking, well, why would you want to cling to that term? (laughs) It hasn't been exactly a positive term, but they consider themselves a very thriving business. Right, right. And uh, it's really come on in the last few years. Yeah. The individual who introduced me is Mitch Bettis. He's the president of the Arkansas Publishing uh, Business Publishing Group. And I found his story to be really, really interesting. He's also going to be the incoming president of the Alliance for Business Publishers. So we're going to have an interview with him talking about why this group of publications appears to be defying gravity and doing just fine. And I think there's some great lessons uh, in this interview. It's coming up right after this. At Basis Technologies, we partner with media companies to drive revenue by providing enterprise-level software and service across programmatic, site direct, search, social, and CTV. Through the power of workflow automation plus world-class support, Basis can help your team scale effectively and efficiently. Ready to get more from your ad tech? Just go to basis.net today. That's www.basis.net. Spectrio is a leading provider of comprehensive digital signage solutions that empowers clients to transform their business locations into modern, dynamic destinations for customers and employees. Headquartered in Tampa, Florida, and founded in 2002, Spectrio serves over 150,000 franchise and enterprise locations in multiple industries, including quick-serve restaurants, automotive, healthcare, and financial services. Okay, I have with me Mitch Bettis. Mitch is president of Arkansas Business Publishing Group and the incoming president of the Alliance for Business Publishers. Mitch, welcome to the show. Thank you, Gordon. It's great to be here. Tell us how you came to own Arkansas Business Publishing Group and tell us about the group. I fell in love with this business when I was a paper boy in the seventh grade, and I loved everything about it. And then as a teenager became a reporter and photographer and, you know, pasting up pages. I'm, I'm of that era, pasting up pages at my hometown newspaper. And I knew this is what I wanted to do. So I feel really blessed. I've done this for a long time. 
I have worked for uh, the Walls family, who was in Houston, but had a lot of papers across the United States. I worked for the Swift newspaper group, which, as you mentioned, had the papers in the, uh, a lot of the ski towns across the country, including Aspen and uh, Glenwood Springs and Snowmass. And I group managed that group. And then for a period of time, uh, worked with uh, Gatehouse Media as well in their Missouri operation, then came back to run their region in Arkansas and northern Louisiana. So I'm a I have a real passion, a heart spot for the newspaper industry, but I had really grown frustrated with working for an environment that was really venture capital driven and what I kind of refer to as a a one-leg stool, meaning uh, everything we seemed to do went to take resources out of the local community and send to a stockholder. And a gentleman who worked for me uh, came to Arkansas business. And I'm from Arkansas. So I was born and raised here. I just had my wayward years across the country working in different states. And uh, But with a gentleman, uh, Jake Sly, who had worked for me in Missouri, uh, moved back to Arkansas and started working for the Arkansas Business Publishing Group. And as I was lamenting to Jake one day over, over uh, lunch of my frustrations, and he said, we just lost our president. I need to introduce you to the owner. And she and I, Olivia Farrell, own the company, and she and I met, and uh, it was home. I could not believe there was a place that had this kind of opportunity, and really our values aligned is really what really happened, and I've been here now 10 years. So how big is the group, and what do you publish? And we have about 80 people total. About a third of our business is a B2B suite, so that includes the Weekly Business Journal, a, a magazine division that produces 8 to 10 business, different types of magazines. We have an events division. We have digital marketing and all those kind of things. Are these about, are rack publications or are they uh, subscription pushed out through the mail or how? Is yeah, that? the Business Journal is a subscriber only publication. We have a few rack locations, but it's 100% paid mail. And then the magazine group is uh, is racked as well. No, and uh, all of our subscribers get those, but they have a lot of extra distribution and highly targeted niches. We can get into the unique niches of those, but those are hyper niches uh, as well as much of our business. Well, we have a, a magazine called Meeting Planner, meaning it only is built for corporate meeting planners in the state of Arkansas. We have a duck hunting magazine. For those of you who may not know, uh, Arkansas is uh, the duck and rice capital of America. So this is a major flyway for ducks. And so there's a lot of hunting in the South, a lot of hunting across the United States. And we don't have any old duck hunting magazine. We have a magazine for executive duck hunters. So those that are willing that is, to drop that uh, is niche. Yeah, $5,000 to $15,000 on a weekend at a high-end corporate lodge for a unique experience. Uh, we have, of course, a, a magazine for small business owners. So they're all um, kind of uniquely targeted into uh, what we typically refer to as uh, affluent, educated, and underserved. We look for audiences that really are that CEO decision maker suite that do not have somebody delivering meaningful content in a certain way. And then we mobilize an effort to serve that audience. So as the company as a whole, about a third of us is B2B, and the other two-thirds of the company is B2C. Still around 58% of our total business is print. About 28% of it's now digital. Uh, we have a really important events division here. We have three full-time event managers. We produce a lot of large-scale high-end events, both awards events and education events. And then we have a whole set of marketing services, including some agency work, uh, custom publishing, and, and things of that nature. When you talk about the split between print and, and digital, is that revenue split or is that audience split or what? 
A good question. That wasn't clear. Revenue. So when I got here about 10 years ago, about 5% of our revenue was digital, almost singularly.com and most singularly with our business journal. But we really needed, as an um, as a way to kind of serve our audience better, we needed a much more diverse set of revenue streams. And in particular, we need to be better at at understanding the impact of digital. And so we set out a very deliberate course to grow our digital offerings, uh, not only in our own .com. Um, we have about 30 different e-letters that go to highly targeted groups. You're going to hear that phrase a lot. So we have e-letters. If you just want to know about transportation in Arkansas, we have a few thousand people who are so excited about roads and bridges, and we're delivering custom content to that audience. Uh, we also have a, a digital marketing agency, Flex360, that has been built out that does digital services all across the country. We have clients all across the country uh, with digital marketing services that we we provide there. And all that's been uh, part of our growth over the last decade. With those 30 e-letters, do they have separate P&Ls or can you put them all together and go, oh, well, they're all profitable? Every product here has an independent P&L and we have about 30 magazines. Everything has an individual PL. With the e-letters themselves, uh, they get a grouped PL, if you will, so we can see the aggregate of that. And then we have the ability to break that down to know did commercial real estate outperform legal, that outperform HR, outperform small business services, outperform agriculture, outperform transportation. Let's take one of them. How much money would it generate in a year? And how much what would the margin be on something like that? We'll use uh, legal services or commercial real estate as an example, because those tend to be significant. And we also have what we call the daily report, which is a midday newsletter daily <laughs> uh, who uh, that goes to about for us. I think we have 28,000 subscribers in Arkansas on that. And then we have a morning report, which is an aggregate of kind of everything a CEO needs to know in the morning. So each of those could be fifty to $100,000 a year in revenue. Mm -hmm. The margins are consequential on that because some of that content is created by my print. We have 10 people on our business content team for both the weekly newspaper and we have original content for these dot coms. Again, content people can't get anywhere else. So some of that content in the e-letters is fed from the print teams, right? Because it right. may have come first in print and then some of it may be original. Mm -hmm. But because of the audience we serve, executive decision makers controlling the purse strings of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, we have a very unique audience that allows us to charge a decent rate on those e-letters. Now, I contrast that with we also have, for instance, the state's bridal magazine on our B2C suite. And we have a city regional magazine. And we have other audiences our B2C rates are nowhere near as healthy as what we can do in B2B. Tell us about the Alliance for Business Publishers. How big is the group? And generally, are they experiencing the same thing in terms of strength and growth and prints and in digital? So uh, AVP, the Alliance, is a trade organization for peers of Mitch across the country. It's a wide range of private owners who are in this business journal space. And they have uh, a lot of commonalities as uh, as people who are serving executives, finding um, both content and experience and services that meet those executives' needs. So ABP is an organization that really provides a kind of unifying opportunity for those folks to get together, share ideas, collaborate. Is it fair to say that they're in a pretty good state 
you know, nationwide in terms of uh, revenue? It is. It, it, and when I, because we actually have one of the things we do as an association is annually or every other year do a massive financial performance survey. So we see based on whether you're a weekly or a monthly business product, whether you're online only or print, we, we break you down by small, medium and large, and we can track both display ad sales, digital sales, other diverse revenue streams, profitability. So I can say with that in mind, it's in, it's really fascinating. Uh, the business journals have over the last decade and maybe longer kind of run counter to what has happened to all my friends in the newspaper business or the TV business or the radio business where they have really struggled to adapt to changing market demands and really find their footing. If we're just talking about the weekly business journal uh, from 10 years ago today to today, our print ad revenue is up almost 30 percent. Our paid subscribers are at an all-time high, and our total kind of revenue in the business division, so again, so that's the weekly, the dot-com, the marketing services, the magazines, paid circ is up, and that same 10-year period is up almost 65% in revenue. Now, I'm not saying everybody has had that level of growth, but when I look at uh, where we are in Colorado and Denver and North Carolina and all these markets, we feel really optimistic about where Prince Place is and really where the business journal space is serving this unique audience. It would appear to me that you've got two very strong things going for you. One is it's a rich niche, and the other is that there really isn't that much competition. There are a lot of markets in our AABP group that are competitive. There's uh, American City Business Journals, who is in that, and they have operations in many of our competing markets. We don't have that ACBJ, uh, but we do have some other, I have another monthly business, two other monthly business journal competitors. Now, we're a weekly, but there's a lot of difference in our content, and the we have a, we have a strong daily newspaper here, respected, and they have business pages. I think most of the people who own business journals have really crafted a niche of providing something of high value that you can't get anywhere else. If you could generally put uh, revenue for, and, and it would be for the the average in the industry, so maybe your organization would be a little bit different, but just try to average it. These publications or groups, what would be the three or four key sources of revenue and I think I know what they are, um, but give me percentages. So I think there are events, yes. subscription revenue, and advertising. And we'll get to advertising segmented between print and digital in a moment. But if it's just those three buckets, correct me if I'm wrong, and then tell me the percentages for a typical publisher. So you're right on the top three buckets right there. And then a fourth bucket that has evolved in many of our organizations across the country is kind of a broader suite of what we'll affectionately call marketing services, which could be everything from agency work to custom publishing to uh, a lot of kind of custom unique things that have been carved out. So and that could be digital, that could be print, it could be event, you know, um, so that would be a fourth bucket where of on that high level. Still at this point, I would say, and, I, and I'm trying to pull a, a more precise number from the latest association survey, and I'm struggling getting it out of my head, but I'd feel confident to say that as print goes, the majority of our group would be a, somewhere between 55 to still 70% print as a group. 
which is pretty stunning when you think about what's happened in the print world and over over time. Most of our group, I would say, would be about 10 to 12 percent digital. And then you're going to have a small slice and a single digit slice, four to five percent in um, subscriptions. And then events would be the next big slice and then uh, marketing services. So four to five years out, where do you see the industry? Do you see that growth continuing? Do you see some significant challenges that uh, that worry you? How's it look? Ten years ago, because I had gone through a newspaper run, I was predicting the demise of business journal print. Uh, even though we set a aggressive course for growth on print, and now we do more print today than we did five years ago and ten years ago. So I'm now hesitant to say that. And what I have learned is that if you provide high value and meet people where they are, no matter what the conduit is, you, you're going to do okay. So what we are planning for the next five years is about a 5 to 10% growth in print across our company. We're seeing another 20 to 25% growth in digital. And then what we call other, which includes events, marketing services, custom, we're seeing another 20% growth in what we call other. And so I'm optimistic. I mean, we, we, our company, we launched two, sometimes three, usually one to two magazines a year, and we may get rid of one that maybe has served its time. So we're optimistic about the print side, but we've invested heavily with uh, diversifying revenue streams and helping clients uh, meet their other marketing needs. And because of the trust we have in this market, when we've really earned a unique position of trust, we've been able to pick up a lot of those dollars, those what we call agency dollars or custom dollars, and uh, as well as events. We, we've now produced, this year, produced events for two clients. We haven't historically done that. So again, they see our events, they trust what we do, and now they're hiring us. One association hired us and one private client who has serves wealthy clients hired us to produce an event in Dallas. Mitch, what a wonderful story. Thank you very much. Mitch Bettis, president of Arkansas Business Publishing Group and the incoming president of the American Alliance for Business Publishers. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Gordon. Good to, good to visit again. You know what I found most interesting about that interview? And it's the most logical. Don't you think the success is directly linked to the niches that the, what he found? He found C-suite Arkansonians. Arkansonians or Arkansas-ers? I guess it's Sonians, right? People from Arkansas. Sure. <laughs> the the C-suite there. I mean, what, what was the other one? The high-end, yeah, high-end duck hunters in Arkansas. Yeah. That's pretty niche. And people who, you know, love to follow, you know, happenings with roads and bridges. You know, I don't yeah, think he's yeah. talking about traffic, you know, it's development and things like that, which I think is important to a, a very niche, you know, group of people. You know, that the probably have no other publication or, or site or something that's delivering the type of information. So they have to work a little too hard to get it. Oh, here, here comes a publication that talks about, you know, this bridge that's going to be developed. And I don't know. There just seems to be so many opportunities out there to develop a niche. Here's the interesting thing. I didn't show this during the presentation that I gave them. I just didn't have time for it. But I did an evaluation of their CPMs, sample CPMs for one of the publications, and I did it for several of them just to make sure that this one wasn't an anomaly. And overall, 
if you look at, you know, just banner ads, radio advertising, general magazine advertising, television advertising, newspaper advertising, the CPMs range from $2 to all the way up to like $48 CPM for newspaper ads. And email advertising and things like that are in there at, you know, one, two, three dollar range CPM, something like that. For B2B publications, whereas a banner might be an average of $2 CPM, B2B yeah. publications, it's 27 to 36 dollars in these publications well, sure. for a banner sure. ad. Newspaper ads overall for general mass media newspapers, 48 dollars CPM among, you know, among the highest. Except B2B newspaper ads, they go all the way up to hold on to your seat, $661. Holy Moses. For the most part, they're a little bit less than that, but that would be for a full page print ad, $661 CPM. Well, that, and remember a while ago, one of our early podcasts, we talked to um, Thrive Fuel and they're talking about in the future how even digital marketing services might become niche. And everything, the future might be niche instead of mass. It might be going this way. So not only content, but services as well. Yeah, I, I think this is where the local media industry may eventually wind up. Mm-hmm. Local news will just become another niche. And the only way anyone can achieve mass again is through a large collection of niches. I wonder, Corey, how many niches it would take to achieve mass. Well, you I think you'd have to start with the biggest and richest ones and, and just not worry about the smaller ones. Give me an example of smaller ones you'd ignore. Uh, I don't know. Um, red-headed bodybuilding kayakers. <laughs> okay. How yeah. about red-headed bodybuilding female kayakers? With Ooh, that's one, even, that's even, yeah, tighter. That's, one-armed. How about that? Yeah. One-armed. There, there we go. Yeah. How about stunningly brilliant people who now work for Brell Associates? How about that? There's only one oh. of those. Oh, that's very nice. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Wasn't talking about you. You've been listening to the Local Marketing Trends Podcast, sponsored by Spectrio and by Basis Technologies. If you have submissions or ideas for future shows, or if you'd like to be a guest, email the hosts at podcast at Thanks for listening. And remember, market well. <laughs>